Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I am joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. Um, before we start, you got to go see Ron Hubel recently. I did. I saw I, <laughs> I saw the real life uh, Lloyd Rath and Rob Hubel. I didn't get to see him. Like, like there wasn't a thing afterward, but I might see him again next month. So I'm going to try again to see if I can't get him giving us some Lloyd Rathman soundbite because it would be insane. And I'm sure he doesn't even remember being on it. <laughs> <laughs> now he's going to be like, who? <laughs> like one episode of all the, like, like he's done comedians like him who aren't like character actors. Like, like they, I think they do so many like one-off appearances and things. Like oh, I can't sure. imagine he has like clear memories of everything he's ever been in. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it is, marvel which is pretty big and while i don't know if he personally has like a history with it a lot of the people he associates with like uh, scott ackerman who uh hosts comedy bang bang which used to be on ifc and is also on the earwolf podcast network and on stitcher and um and paul Shear, who's the guy who was who did this show with him who was on human giant with him and was on the league and and he's now on black monday and he's in all sorts of stuff but i'm sure people would recognize him from uh both of them have written comics for marvel like as recently as like this month wow. <laughs> like, 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 so like they are and like are very vocally like super comic fans like and grew up comic fans so right. Uh, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that this would be something meaningful to him, maybe, or at least <laughs> memorable. But I also wouldn't assume, like, 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 because for a lot of people, I'm sure it's just a paycheck being on a TV show. Oh yeah, and I think he would probably be amused by the fact that we took we have like this cult following of this <laughs> random one-off episode character that's like he like doesn't even remember playing. <laughs> with, how, with how like nerdy improv comedians are and what uh, I'm certain that he would appreciate like the niche uh, like <laughs> nature of like us obsessing over something super nerdy. Like, it feels feels like that's something they could relate to. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But he was he was very, very funny. It was awesome. I highly recommend seeing if anyone's in the LA area. It's once a month they uh Paul, Paul Shear and Rob Hubel do a thing called Crash Test. Uh because they originally did it, I think, on a moving bus as like a weird oh. <laughs> like TV or internet special thing. Uh so like they they took people on a tour through LA and stood up and did stand up and did improv and like would stop and have people visit either as themselves or in character and like one of them like i think they've visited thomas lennon from reno 911 and he was uh like sitting like outside of a, of a mansion in like some swanky neighborhood and like <laughs> pretending it was his house it might have been oh. but also might not have been like I, i'm guessing it wasn't so that the people on tour wouldn't know where he lived but at the same time right who knows like it's right. maybe weirder for him to be standing in front of a stranger's house <laughs> but uh no I, I highly recommend the show it was really really funny um maria bamford was supposed to be there i'm a little disappointed that she, she had to cancel because one of her pugs got sick oh no. <laughs> no no and that was the reaction like everyone in the audience like either said oh no or like you could hear them like sigh or or, or like 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 kind of like feel get it sympathetic. Yeah. <laughs> but, but paul she like immediately was like oh no she said he'd be okay <laughs> like, it's nothing urgent like you just you know if you have a dog throwing up or whatever you can't leave him alone which right? makes sense yeah but uh but no, it was it was a very very entertaining entertaining uh, show. So I I did I got to see a uh, Lloyd Raffin on my birthday. So that's a weird <laughs> shield connection, I guess. But uh, uh, I was so hoping you would get a recording of him doing an intro for us because I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> oh no, it would just replace our intro. Oh, for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so weird, but I feel like he's the easiest option, maybe. Like, like of all of our uh, it's not like we have access alumni. to like, right. like anybody else <laughs> easily. Right, but these are affordable tickets. Uh, or they do it. They try to do it at least once a month. So at, at the the Largo. <laughs> so. I wonder. LA Comic Con is coming up, right? It is. Like I, I heard people talking about it recently. I haven't. I, I don't think I've ever if, gone before. So I wonder if Marvel uh, Agents of Shield is doing anything there. Not like we could get access to them, but it would just be. <laughs> I was just kind of thinking. I'm like, let's go find uh, Ming Na and have her do an intro. <laughs> oh man, I almost made a really snarky comment about Luke Mitchell, but I'm sure. <laughs> I think he's on something right now, right? He's he's on something where he's playing a character named Abraham or something. I try not to keep up with his his work because I just don't care. Also fair. Oh this, my god! This is a a Luke Mitchell-y episode, though. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it just doesn't get better. Like it just keep. Oh god. Anyway, let's talk about the episode. Um, before we get started, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community, so be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC, and their website, uh, But Why Though Podcast.com. We are super proud to be a part of their community. All right. Um, I didn't start a timer. Oh well. <laughs> I'm sure we're fine. <laughs> 10 minutes in we're well ways in oh and this is be, this will be the first episode where from the beginning we're trying our new spoiler policy where yes sorry if you haven't seen the show past this but we're probably going to reference it at some point <laughs> yeah we we're discussion. gonna we have given up on spoiler section time i'm so sad because we can't use that audio anymore <laughs> We, we could use it as just like, we don't have a. <laughs> <laughs> no spoiler section time. Um, so we're just going all out with spoilers. Um, thank you for bringing that up because I just, I didn't even put it. I didn't put recap or anything. I just put discussion in the notes. <laughs> like we're going to discuss throughout the episode. I feel like it's just an easier way to go about it anyway. I think so. We'll just, we save... don't have to like, yeah, weirdly compartmentalize. And then we forget stuff. So I feel yeah, like this is a good change. I, I agree. We'll we'll see if it like yeah. ruins it for someone. Let us know. Um, might make a difference. <laughs> uh, probably not. Doing it, but can't, thank can't you for guarantee. your opinion. <laughs> we we respect your opinion, but we'll probably yeah. keep doing it. <laughs> All right. This is season three, episode fourteen, titled "Watchdogs," written by Drew Z. Greenberg, directed by Jesse Bochco. Originally aired March 29th, ninth, twenty sixteen. And th- this is so weird to me because this is like when I was watching it live for like the yeah. first time regularly. So mm-hmm. it, it's a different experience than the other stuff where I was like binging yeah. it to catch up. And have you I, watched I first watched this it since? Or this no, these first? are all these are all my first rewatches okay. of all this stuff. Cool. Yeah, I think me too. I rewatched season one, I believe, like previously yeah, before previously. our rewatch. But yeah, but these are all first time rewatches for me too that's kind of cool when there's some something major in this episode uh that you have brought up a couple times i think that you remembered a character that i was like i think that sounds right but i don't remember (laughs) and uh i don't know it's uh the max brother oh okay i don't remember (laughs) we'll see when we get down to that part i guess did i put it in the notes oh uh not, I don't think that you put it that you'd mentioned him before, but just I, I just remember in the, when on past episodes when we've talked about Mac or his family, you brought him up. Oh, I don't remember doing that. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad you remember. 
You remember I, I, them, a I discussion that, previously. I remember that you remember. <laughs> it's a team effort. And then I don't remember talking about it now. Um, I think probably I remembered because it's like this is a very motorcycle heavy episode. And so I think oh. that just like stuck out in my head. Well, that makes sense. Excited. And I was like, what kind of bikes are those? And now I don't remember what kind of bikes they are. But anyway, um, uh, let's start. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so if you remember from last episode, um, Daisy mentions like offhand about this inhuman hate group, um, called the watchdogs. So we are going to be introduced to them in this episode, uh, fully. And, um, if you'll remember pre mid season finale, Gemma let Andrew out of the containment module. So he is, um, at large (laughs) that plays into this episode. Um, we go to somewhere in Illinois and Mac is in a garage working on motorcycles with his brother and his brother doesn't know that he's a shield agent. Um, but you could tell he's kind of suspicious cause Mac is, uh, he thinks that Mac is an insurance agent and he's like, Oh yeah, work is, you know, it's tough. And Mac kind of talks about how like two of my work friends just left and he's like talking about stuff that's happening at shield without overtly saying it's shield stuff. It's just like super generic. Um, and his brother's like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just work friends. They come and go, but family's forever. And Mac's like, now these guys are like family. But we find out that his brother has been laid off. And this is like, is this supposed to be around the time when the economy is like starting to do better? I can't remember. I mean, this is the very beginning of uh, of Obama's second term. It feels like at that point we, are, we were already on a rebound. But yeah. I mean – the, the effects of of everything i think are still like resonating we've never really never really stopped feeling it you know yeah i'm trying to remember i don't know anyway um mac turns on the tv and um he sees that uh an atcu building was attacked by the watchdogs and we see this video which i don't know why they would show this on news at all it doesn't seem like a smart idea but they're showing this like terrorist group manifesto this guy in a mask like talking about like oh we're gonna bring down the government and blah 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 and they have all this fancy tech and they like they implode this building literally it implodes it goes into this tiny little ball um and and, like the way you describe (laughs) it like the video it is like a like a you know terrorist manifesto and it's like stuff i feel like i'm sure of it groups in america who do shit do make these videos yeah. but our news never shows them the only st- time they really do is when it's uh like a muslim group yeah know, they, like, i was like, gonna like, say when they um beheaded the got when isis beheaded that right. journalist that's the only time i remember seeing something like this like on and, the news and i feel like it's very biased in you know against yeah. people you know especially people from the middle east and there's a lot of uh, you know, islamophobia i think involved and i, I think that for, for me, that's the only context I think we ever see that kind of extremism and actually get to see them sh- speak their piece and do their manifesto. They always cover that stuff up. Like we've never seen, yeah. you know, like I, I don't think maybe they did at the time and I was just too young to remember, but we don't anymore see stuff like like uh, like David Koresh and thinking about people like him. Like cause I, I know that lunatic made manifestos. Like, yeah. And, no, it's a, it's weird to think about. Uh, well, and I think now the attitude is like we don't want copycats, and so they like really try to downplay like anything about the assailant. Um, 
just mentioned right, which, is, which I and, do think is probably the right way to go. Yeah, but I mean, it hasn't always been like that. Like they've been, you know, doing little bios on the assailant since the very beginning, especially if they're white because they want to like, oh, he was a troubled man or whatever. Well, yeah, they always put pictures <laughs> of them when they were like their like high school graduation picture and have uh, yeah. like like two dozen neighbors saying, oh, I had no idea. He was always yeah. so quiet. He helped me find my cat or whatever. It's like, well, <laughs> well who cares? He <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is interesting that um that it's it's just presented like this. I thought that was strange. Um, I think it's like it is a story convenience thing, but yeah. you're right because of how uh, because it's just the lens of Shield. It's preposterous. It's very TV and sci-fi procedural, you know, uh, show of the week on network TV and all the things that it is. But it's also like our most grounded look at the MCU. And it was kind of the idea, like more mm-hmm. real world. I think uh, lens of their insane world and. Uh, and this is like, so, so I think we're more prone to think of it like in relation to real life stuff. So it does stand out as like, yeah. huh, I don't think I would ever see that. I guess that's true. I didn't even think about that, but it is still like, you know, TV fiction. Like they have to have convenient, you know, well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> uh, like when you and, mentioned uh, when like how, how the president is not going to go to an active <laughs> crime scene, but they still have the tape on and a bloody like imprint on the carpet. <laughs> It's like literally the cleaning people haven't come in yet. <laughs> Those people come in within like 48 hours. Like forensics isn't like, we'll let it sit for a week. Oh we'll come God. back and on it then. That's the best time to come in when the blood's really dried in the carpet. Like what the hell? No, it's oh, so weird. But, but like it's the same sort of, I think, logic where it's like we need to tell this in the story. And well, I think how is the easiest way to do this? <laughs> I think too, like it just sh- it gives the opportunity to see like how um, radical they are, and to see his brother's reaction because his brother yes. reacts to this like that's awesome, like that's so cool, and they're taking, Mac it, they're is taking like, back power for the people or whatever. Yeah, and so it like that doesn't have as big, you know, this is a visual medium. It, it, if he was just reading something on the internet, I don't think it was, would have as big of an impact on us. I think, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And the other, the other way they could do that would be to have Mac or other members of shield, see it in a shield uh, capacity, which would work and make more sense in the story, but you wouldn't be able to get the contrast of their reactions. Right. Absolutely. Um, so Coulson calls Mac and he's the closest one to the scene. The scene is somewhere in Indiana and Mac is, he wants Mac to go there and he's like, dude, like I'm on vacation. I'm, you know, doing family time. And Coulson's like, look, we all make sacrifices. He's just like not sympathetic to his family time at all. And so Mac has to go and he has to make up some story to his brother because he thinks he's an insurance agent. So he's like, oh, there's an accident on some highway. I got to go check it out. And, you know, they were making plans to like have steaks and, and work on bikes and drink beers and his brother's super disappointed that Mac has to leave because he is putting work in front of family once again. Um, we go to the playground and Daisy has been tracking the watchdogs online and she talks about how they just seemed like this hate speech group that was just, you know, in forums and stuff like that. And they didn't have, they didn't do anything substantial until now. And she suggests that something's changed because they have all this high tech obviously. And so someone's backing them, it seems like. Um, and Lincoln shows up. And he has finished his evaluation as an agent, something like that. I don't know where he went to do this, but he did. And yeah, I, I, I was wondering that too. Like, who's doing this evaluation? <laughs> like, is it not like I, they have I, an academy I, anymore? I think we have to assume it's it's a, a group of Patton Oswalds. <laughs> 
with lanyards. <laughs> yeah, lanyard Lincoln. I really, I really figure that's the only thing that makes any sense. But. Yeah, I, yeah, I was very confused by this. But um, Colson mentions that he doesn't. He's like, I forget what the exact thing he says, but he doesn't want him going along on the mission. So he's like, "You're staying." And Lincoln's kind of like, "Oh, okay." And Daisy's like, "Well, shouldn't he go with us?" And Colson's like, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so something's up with his evaluation. Um, in Indiana, Mac and Daisy are assessing the scene and, um, you know, they're kind of discussing like whatever. And Fitz finds nitramine on the scene and it was part of the bombs that they used. And this is a connection to Agent Carter. So Howard Stark developed this tech. And if you watched Agent Carter, there's a couple episodes where this is a thing. I think they shrink down like an entire like oil refinery type place, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember exactly, but we see the same idea, like a building shrinks down to like a, a super dense ball, essentially. <laughs> um, but uh, we find out it's not stable enough to use in bombs. So they have, you know, done some experimenting to make it stable. Um, and <laughs> Max, like, should we take this building ball with us? And Fitz is like, no, it weighs like a hundred thousand tons. It's a building. <laughs> well, and and, and th- th- there's that moment. And the other like kind of jokey moment is, uh, Daisy gives them a hard time because they both are really like excited about the shield history behind yeah. it because of the agent Carter things. They both know, like even Mac knows what it is. Yeah. And yeah, Mac's an engineer and smart, but this is like a chemical compound. It's, it's, it's interesting, but he does know what it is immediately. Yeah, because Daisy's also very smart and sciency, but has a computer expertise rather than engineering or yeah. or chemistry. But also, Mac probably went to the academy, and they probably learned this in the academy, and Daisy did not. Ab- absolutely, yeah. and there's even there's a slight spo- slight spoiler ahead for the episode. There, there's another reference where uh, Colson even points out that like it makes sense that the the Mac would know because it is Shield history. Like, yeah, like like, like but. I want to point out it, it almost made it didn't like take me out of the episode, but it made my eyes roll. The Daisy's like, because it's I think it's because it's one of the most frequently uh, popped up gifts whenever I'm searching oh, yeah. for shield gifts. But her saying, "Thanks, nerd herd." It's like you <laughs> lived used- in a van and were a hacker. <laughs> Who the hell are you to call anyone a nerd? I mean, yes, you're great looking. Like, like those, everybody in that scene is great looking. <laughs> yeah, like, you guys are standing next to Henry Simmons. Like, like I'm pretty sure, like he's a god. So, right. like. <laughs> Who's called who a nerd? (laughs) You know what's funny is, okay, so I use that gif a lot, and I totally thought it was a gif of her with Fitz and Simmons, not with Mac and Fitz. Like, I didn't realize it was this context. I was like, oh, that's where that gif came from. (laughs) No, I I think I totally, because it's the first time I've rewatched it, I think for sure I was the same way. I totally assumed it was the two of them, and probably for the first season, and meant good nature in the same way, but like, I did, I totally forgotten that's what it was from but yeah it's that's a kind of weird aside but it was it's it is it's like it's, it's even jokingly her being like well that's nerdy it's like yeah what the hell are you talking about yeah. you're just as big of a nerd it's funny like me and billy argue all the time like who's worse star wars nerds or motorcycle nerds and i always argue that motorcycle nerds are way worse because it feels like star wars fans at least have other things they can talk about but star wars motorcycle nerds have nothing else to talk about but motorcycles <laughs> so no, we that's... have this ongoing war of who's who's whose fandom is nerdier <laughs> I, I honestly think that's, there's a good case for that they, like like for the most part 
the kind of nerd that the word nerd used to be more exclusively associated with is more diverse than like other people's previously maybe more more cool socially acceptable obsessions mm -hmm. it's like people who are super into sports that i've known a lot of them are only into sports in general or one sport yeah. like and that's all they give a shit about like i don't know anything about music i don't know about tv <laughs> or movies i just know about the cardinals yeah and i care about them so it's funny, much <laughs> billy is a baseball nerd too and so he gets with his baseball nerd friends and i'm just like i can't contribute anything to any conversation you guys are gonna have right now because it's either it's motorcycles or baseball. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but it's like everyone i know who likes you know star wars like some level of other sci-fi movies or fantasy or stuff kind of or books yeah. yeah or comics like, there's so much overlap and that like i love like i love that's my favorite thing about about marvel stuff it's like it, this was my fantasy as a kid <laughs> like, like, like yeah. my entire childhood i knew like three people outside of my house that knew what the hell i was talking about <laughs> With comic books, and it was like, like, like everyone knows who Tony Stark and and Rhodey and James Rhodey Rhodes is. Right. It's like that's so cool. It's weird, but it's like yeah. obscure, a D list as far as actually in the comics, in, like, like in the universe, the comics. He's always been a major character, but like just as like selling comics, a character who barely. It, the only reason he still had a, a series was because of momentum and history, because he'd always right. had a series. Like the fact that that's like a household name to that level, it's really cool. Like, 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 like this, this show is neat. Uh, as even for all the, the guff it gets, I think, or being thought of as like lesser than or separate, and it is separate from, but like, this is the longest running Marvel show to date. Mm -hmm. we, we got something going on, yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, Daisy phones into Coulson about the nitramine and um, he knows someone within S.H.I.E.L.D. who wanted to improve the original formula. So whoever is helping the watchdogs is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And we find out it is Agent Blake from season one um, who was his spine was shattered by um, uh, Mike Peterson, Deathlock. So he's back. <laughs> No. Yes, Titus Welliver, who I I've never seen the show, but I hear from people like a little bit older than me, like basically like I think like dads, <laughs> like da dads <laughs> of all ages watch Bosch. Yeah, to be <laughs> fair, like Jared, show show. people that are our age are also moms and dads. Like no, no, I know increasingly no, so. No, 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 no. <laughs> absolutely, but like the, but like the dad joke mindset, right, right. and there are people younger than me who have that mindset, and our dads, like like there are people. And they're, they're teenagers who are moms and dads, <laughs> but, 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 uh, no, but like, it's a, it's, it feels like the kind of show, Hey, and I watched Grace and Frankie, which is made from my parents who are, I retired. love Grace and Frankie. So <laughs> yeah, no, I watch it with my friend's mom who is like in her sixties. It's great. <laughs> I binged the whole first season and loved it. And like about two thirds of the way through, I was like, Oh crap. Like this show is made for my parents. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it is not made for me at all, but they're all just so great. I, I think we could highly, highly recommend it to anyone who likes good television and, and comedy. Like all the characters are great, but yeah, the premise it's, uh, is it's like these two couples and the two dudes are, have been friends and they're like run a law firm together and they decide to run away together as a couple. And yeah, they, they've divorced. secretly been in love for most of their friendship. <laughs> and and like, so it's like these two families are just like, 
like interconnected now and it's super weird and hilarious well it's, in, it's <laughs> i think it's all shot at and it takes place in la jolla like it's mm-hmm. like it's like a affluent suburb of, of san diego and so they're like lawyers and one of them is like this like really like super liberal new age like former hippies uh like uh jewish lawyer and and his uh like commune living (laughs) like like socialist activist wife and uh another like really like like white bread like conservative white couple uh who were also a lawyer and like a an entrepreneur who ran a uh a like makeup and like uh like like health or not like health but well like like wellness wellness whatever, yeah company yeah. like it, it, better than goop but goop adjacent <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but like the cast is amazing and like jane fonda and uh oh, yeah. um lily tomlin are just like the best like, like they're, they're amazing and i i can't remember what her last name is frankie what but there's an there's an active Twitter account run by this show for her character. Oh god! <laughs> and, and like part of the the joke is like she's like crazy old grandma, so like she does not know how to use Twitter, so it's weird. But like it's also great because she's just like extremely angry and liberal, oh my and god. she's I love it. awesome. I want to be her when I grow up. But uh, yeah, that's a our, another random aside. But I think we can we can recommend. Uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, great that, show. <laughs> uh, Netflix's show for for, for senior citizens. <laughs> Anyone over the age of fifty listening to this podcast, Grace and Frankie is a great show. It's a great show for anybody. Anyone who has parents of that age, you'll understand. I think I think they can appreciate it for sure. Yeah. All right, so we go back to the playground, and Gemma is in the target practice room shooting guns. And May walks in. She's like, "Oh, you've been practicing." And she's like, "Okay, giving her some tips." She's like, "Exhale when you pull the trigger." She's like, "Why are you doing this?" And Gemma's like, "Look." I feel responsible for everything that's happened. Like everyone had to come save poor Dr. Simmons. And she's like, and I especially feel responsible for Andrew. Like she talks about how she was trying to save her own life. So she let Andrew out and put the lives of everyone below hers that were killed by Andrew. So all the inhumans that he killed, you know, she basically was saying her life was more important and she feels really bad about it. And she's like, look, since I'm the only woman around here who can't kill someone with her bare hands, I got to use this gun. So she's, eh. I thought that line was funny because <laughs> it's kind of true. All the women are very badass. On no, show. it's, it's a good point that she's like, she's that even though, even May who doesn't have superpowers is still yeah. deadly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so I kind of put this in here. So I think someone, I don't, I don't know if it's Mac or Colson or Daisy, but they bring up this idea of like hate group to terrorists. Like, what does it take? Like what changes? And honestly, I think it's funding <laughs> like in this case, but like in reality, because I feel like this is our reality now. Like there's a lot of like hate speech going online that have been riled up by President Trump. And we're starting to see like, you know, lone wolf terrorists, you know, doing shooting mass shootings in the name of xenophobia. Um, And it's kind of crazy. Like what, what flips that switch? So it's something to think about. Um, so like no, absolutely it's like it's heady stuff yeah it's crazy um and that's like a big theme throughout this whole episode is like you know there's the internet is great you know it's given us 
you know, we became friends because of the internet. <laughs> like so many, you, the internet gives us access to so many things, but it also enables things like this. But what what does it take to to go to that next step? Is like yeah, what's the distinction? Make it real offline. You know, I mean, it's already real offline because it's you know within this person, but. Oh, but some, but, but but just you making a cohesive thing and like like it, it contributing to something becoming a movement instead of just yeah. like different people having different feelings about things. Yeah, and honestly, like I think of like Trump having having the money to run for president and riling up this base of people, the MAGA base, is like that was the catalyst for a lot of these people to come out and start shooting people. So no, I think so, <laughs> and, and, and like. I think it's absolutely true. People point out that none of this started with him. It's not the cause, but like no. you said, it's a catalyst. It, it, I, I feel like without a doubt, the president being this person and saying this kind of stuff, it's setting a tone where like, I think for probably on some level for probably like a hundred and, you know, 20, 130 years to some, on some gradient level, people were publicly ashamed of racism <laughs> you know like right. it's got, and it got better and better and better until now like the bottom just dropped out and now people who were secretly prejudiced and but that knew better than to say crap publicly because it would get them in trouble because it's just not socially acceptable to be a total bigot bigoted moron like now that's not true it is socially yeah. acceptable so you can just say whatever the hell you think even if even if you know in your heart that it is wrong <laughs> because yeah. it's insanely evil and hateful but it's like and I don't know, man. It's 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 weird, and I also like. I remember them saying that you know in the past that like there there are instances before Obama when when we'd had uh, black candidates running for vice president or in primaries for president, as Democratic candidates that people said like, oh, that some of these people would vote for them, uh, you know, in public, but wouldn't in private. It's like now I feel like. The it's opposite. like the opposite for like, like we hear about for Republicans with Trump. It's like they're saying like, oh, if it were a private vote, we'd vote against Trump, but we have to pretend we like him, you know, so that we'll keep our base or whatever. It's like, which is it's, just as bad. It is. It's, it's, it's terrifying too. It's like that. Yeah. Why are we listening to the worst, least informed, most hateful, like loudest people? Why are they the ones setting the tone? And some of it is the internet. Like you said, like, it's like this weird amplification it riles people up with an echo chamber and then gives them a way to connect with other people who have the same feelings. And sometimes that can lead to positive change. Like, like we've seen it like Egypt, like, like good stuff can yeah. come from it and then bad stuff can come from it just as easily. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so Daisy has used her, um, hacking skills to track down some local watchdog members and she wants to go to them and talk to them. And Mac is like, no, 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 no. That's some Gestapo shit. We are not using shield resources to like go talk to these dudes who might not even be involved. And she's like, she is arguing to like, you know, go for it because it's like we should do everything in our in our power to stop terrorism from happening. And Max like, we can't take people's civil liberties away to do that. And so it's this whole like intelligence and like um spycraft that's been, you know, this conversation that's been going on since the, um, the department of Homeland security was, uh, was, was made. <laughs> it's like, how far is too far? Like how many civil liberties are we willing to give up in the name of protection and yeah, f feeling like, like, like we're safe when, yeah. when, when it's just 
either way, it's just an illusion, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting that Daisy is the one that's on this side because at the very start of her shield career, she was on the other side. She was like, no. (laughs) And I can't help but wonder if part of that is because this is a group that's specifically targeting humans. Maybe. Yeah. She's emotional about it. It it feels like that could be enough of a motivator, but I do think even that aside, you're right. Like it just shows her evolution and, a year or what two and a half years i guess like that she has changed enough and become fully like a shield agent and committed it's like i do think it's not if it's the motivator it's the motivator but it's not she's still operating from i think it's not like she's not in denial and justifying it and just doing it to save her own ass and like stop people who hate her and her people or and even if it wasn't her if it was just to stop bigots like, like, like i don't think that's the entirely the motivation but I, it, but neither, and neither of those are wrong. But I think that some of it is just like being like, oh, we need to we need to stop someone who's going to commit a terrorist act. Yeah. Like these, they didn't just hurt inhumans when they imploded, you know, yeah. a building or whatever. There were people in the office that died. Yeah, right. Um, but I just love how Mac takes up this like leadership role in this in this instance and he's like we can't do this this is it's not about like what we can do it's about how we respond yes it's a it's foreshadowing for hey it's our first instance of our super spoilery in in episode uh use like (laughs) this is who this is why he's the choice why he's the guy should be the the shield director he has a moral compass yeah he's great i love it i loved that moment so much i mean it's a very complicated conversation and it's, you know, complex, but I mean, Mac just, I, I just love him so much. <laughs> Super agree. Um, <laughs> so Lincoln finds Colson and uh, Colson's like, you're coming with me. We're going to go look through Blake's uh, safe houses. Every agent has a lot of safe houses. And Lincoln's like, you know, you haven't mentioned anything about my evaluation. Are you not happy with it? And Colson's like, nope, not happy with it. Come on, we're going. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Um, he's going along with dad to have a chat back in Illinois. Mac returns to um, his brother's house and his brother is drunk and he's very upset with Mac. And he just starts talking about how he's upside down on his mortgage and there's no jobs out there for him. He's in a very bad financial situation. And, you know, he's the one who is taking care of their parents and put them in a condo and he was supposed to sell the house and now he can't. And Mac has been absent from all of this. He hasn't helped him at all. Like Ruben has been the one who's been taking care of all of this. And he's like, the system's rigged. Like someone's got to fight back. And he's been, he quotes all this like watchdog, like dogma. And Mac is like, that's straight from like the watchdogs online stuff. And Ruben's like, yeah, I've been reading it because they have a point. And it's like, oh, no, (laughs) don't do that. But like, I get it. I get why. He feels this way. He's totally justified feeling this way. Um, he just doesn't realize that the watchdogs have a more, um, uh, I don't know, sinister base. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so interesting hearing like like you were talking about like Daisy's taking her stance, but when we look at the shit Daisy was about when the show started, and we look at what the watchdogs' public persona is, yeah. and it's like there's a lot of overlap between those two, and they're like like they mm-hmm. sound like. Antifa, you know, on, yeah. on, on on the surface. And it's like, oh, I can understand why people feel that way for sure. But there's much more nefarious stuff going on because it's a comic book show. <laughs> right. And Hydra has to be behind everything. Of course. <laughs> has to be behind everything that's anti-shield. Um, 
So we go back to the playground and um, May shows Gemma that she's been looking for Andrew and she has this whole, like, she's a spreadsheet up. She has all these things. And um, May is like, you know, I know you feel guilty. And um, Gemma's kind of like, what do I do? And May is like, you have to channel that. You have to do something with it, which May is the queen of channeling everything. Channel your anger, channel your guilt, channel your mourning and do something productive, which is like, that's a productive way of looking about it. But also like give yourself space to feel things (laughs) like that's okay too. Um, And Gemma kind of looks over what May has and she's like, you're looking in the wrong place. So interesting um we go to the quinjet and lincoln is sitting in the back with colson he's being super awkward and i relate the scene to like it's like the boyfriend is hanging out with dad alone and this is like their first time together like absolutely having fact, a when, chat. You, <laughs> when you said that he was going off with dad before like, like it made me think and something that i'm sure like I, well, I know it happens occasionally like in real life but it feels like it happens more frequently in fiction mm-hmm. where the Usually it is a, a situation of a daughter's boyfriend. Sometimes it's the reverse, but like usually it's the the daughter has a bad boy who's not really a, like, like it's it that he just seems like he's a bad boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 like when you really get down to it, it's all on, it's all on the surface. He's really actually like the best guy. Uh, he's wears a leather jacket and has you know uh, a skater haircut or whatever. <laughs> but, but, but but this is her boyfriend and. He oh turns out like either his parents are dead or they abandoned right. him or some for some reason he's living out of the back of a of a gas station or something yeah. and he has to stay with them. He has a heart and, of like, gold. It feel, <laughs> yes, and it feels like Lincoln is this bad boy boyfriend with the heart of gold. It's like oh he he you know he struggled with an alcohol problem even though they're high school students and it's like but but it's really <laughs> he's he's getting it together and but like but he but for whatever reason they're like like. The you imagine the TV mom is like, we gotta take him in, you know, (laughs) and that always and like it seems like that's happened in so many like teen drama shows I've seen over the years. Like, let's go on a father son fishing trip, you know, alone together, get to know each other type of thing. Yeah, (laughs) it's like sort of it's sort of earnestly trying to bond with them, but also it's super antagonistic. (laughs) It's yes, definitely the dad like raking them over the coals and trying to try to make sure they. Their intentions are pure, even though they absolutely know they want to have sex with their daughters. Right? Like, it's like, like their intentions are never going to be what yeah. you want them to be. I know. And there's two levels to this scene because, like, Coulson is like Lincoln's potential boss, but Coulson's like, I don't feel like you want to be here. I feel like you're just here for Daisy. And, like, what's wrong with that? And what well, he even like, says <laughs> that, like, that's what the evaluation confirms. Like, he's like, yeah. I already knew it, but you're just here for her. You're not really in, on the team. Yeah. And he's like, you have to be here. Like, you have to like follow my orders. And Lincoln has the whiniest excuse. He's like, you don't make it easy to be a shield agent. And oh, <laughs> yes. everything's a test. Even this is a test. I know. <laughs> and he's so like, annoyed. and he tells him to do something else. He's like, see, it's a test. It's like, what the <laughs> hell's going on? Like, You're absolutely this, right. Oh, he's so annoying. I was like, yeah, because this is your boss. Like, hello. Ugh. Yeah, it's crazy that a super spy organization has standards. <laughs> like, like, why would right? they be able to do the things you're supposed to do? Oh my god! Like he's a living, <laughs> breathing weapon. It's oh, you know, I whatever. Just I hate him so much. It's, this scene just makes me hate him more. <laughs> no, this this <laughs> we're not fair or <laughs> fair to or easy character. 
Lincoln, but this episode, he's bad. Like he's, I feel like super hateable. Oh yeah. I rolled my eyes so hard. You don't make it easy. Everything tests. Wow. <laughs> Dude, you were in an addict and you're whining about this. Like, really? Yeah. How did he go through it? <laughs> And he went through Terragenesis, like, ugh, God. Anyway, so Daisy does what Mac doesn't want her to do, and she finds one of the watchdogs, and she brings Fitz with her, and she just kind of stands out in front of his van and gets in his car and is like, you know, scares him a little. She shatters his windows, and he's like, you're going to tell me everything you know. And Fitz walks up to the driver's side window that is shattered and has a gun pointed at him and he looks so uncomfortable and she's just like you know this little freak is gonna show you you know all my powers and you're gonna tell me exactly what i want to know and she's basically just like coercing this dude into giving her information um and fitz is just like dude i can't watch this and he walks away because <laughs> is not good not good um, so she gets the info and she's like, oh, this is their meeting house. And Mac knows how she got the info and he's very disappointed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's going to go to the location. Um, and, uh, he's getting ready to leave the house and his brother comes back and he tries to make amends. He's like, you know, we could have, you know, I could cook for you. And Mac's like, no, I gotta go. And it's, ugh, the scene is so sad because it's like that, like awkward, like, we want to make up, but there's too much in between us right now that needs to be talked about for it to happen. And only bad things are going to come out of this. <laughs> oh, I spelled playground wrong. Playground. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so we go back to playground. <laughs> playground. And um, Gemma suggests to me that Lash is being driven by different instincts than Andrew. He has these like base, like, um, predator instincts and so we can't think of him as you know he's having his human drives and desires we have to think of it like lash would be thinking and Gemma's like what are you gonna do when you find him and, and may's just like i'm gonna kill him <laughs> and Gemma's like you know um me and fitz have been working on this vaccine and we were thinking since andrew hasn't completely transformed yet that it might work on him and may is like no Gemma, you can't give this to him don't give me hope which made me cry because, uh, May, it's okay to feel feelings. It's okay to have hope. <laughs> no, and like this was, uh, this was a very uh, emotional scene. It's also one I, I, I was enjoying what was happening on a level because I feel like one of not weaker, but one of the less, um, less developed friendships i feel like yes bonds is it's our our, our may and Gemma at this i point. was thinking i was thinking that too because um, I mean, we've seen them communicate and connect and and like and struggle over things before but it's just not been as, hi as highlighted as everyone else yeah and this is a super vulnerable moment for may and i feel like she doesn't get like that with most people on the team like not even with Colson, really. Like it's happened very few and far between. But there's something about Gemma that she trusts enough to get this vulnerable with, which is really, I think that says something about their relationship, which I really love. Um, and this just reminds me of like spoiler for the upcoming seasons that we're going to be watching. But like May at this point, like don't give me hope, and then she meets Robin 
and like yeah, big spoiler for for the, for future, but also just for our next episode. Yeah, with our first hint of Robin. Yeah, but she meets Robin, and it totally changes like this part of her. I think of not wanting hope, just trying to live in the in the present, um, trying to just get through day to day. And I think I love that character arc of May um, and Robin together. And May just breaking down those walls that May has. It's really, really emotional and really amazing and really good writing. <laughs> um, so Daisy, Fitz, and Mac are at the Watchdog uh, safe house. I don't know what they called it. Meeting house location. And uh, they send in a drown and they hear Blake speaking, but they don't see him yet. And so um, she texts Colson as like um, audio confirmation waiting on visual and Colson and Lincoln are in Atlanta in one of Blake's safe houses and they're kind of walking around looking for anything that could lead them to the watchdogs and <laughs> Fitz, Daisy and Mac are like hiding behind these hay bale things or like whatever they're hiding boxes I don't know and Ruben shows up on the motorcycle and I don't know how no one heard this inside the building because it's a very loud <laughs> motorcycle but he, no one heard it and he's like hey I just wanted to come up or he's just like sees Mac and all these guys start running out of the building and Mac starts shooting them and he's just like holy shit and he gets on the motorcycle and drives away and um, Daisy like uses her powers to knock out a bunch of agents and um, the watchdogs only see Mac and they think that he's the powered individual and so Mac is like there's too many of them we have to retreat and Daisy's like no this is our chance to take down Blake we have to go um but he's not there because <laughs> Colson and Lincoln go into the basement of the safe house and Blake is in the safe house or so we think. Um, and Blake has this whole chat about how he signed up, you know, for shield to protect the world against alien threats like this against freaks quote like this. Well, and about how, when he woke up from his coma after Deathlock broke his spine, that he woke up and found out there'd never been a shield. He'd always been working for Hydra. You know, he's, he's, he's like, he's very disillusioned. Yeah, very disillusioned. But and and what what he say? Because he's he's standing there in the room, and and Cole says, "You got better." And he, I, I, there's some like ominous hint. It's yeah. something going something deeper going on. I'm like, we don't know what it is, but he's but, like, but you he's, recovered well or something. Like, yeah, but I think he injury. might have said something like, like you know, you're one to talk or whatever. Cause oh yeah, yeah. Cole's, or you know what that's like, since because he also like while he's talking about them like. Shield being corrupted, even what's left of it or whatever, because they they should be protecting the world from aliens instead of working with them. And says that Coulson's one of them too. Yeah, it disgusts him and whatnot. Yeah. Like, like like it's got some super like racial connotations, like super racist shit coming from uh, from him for sure. Yeah. Blake is not the same person we met before uh, Deathlock stepped on his back. Nope, not at all. He has changed and not for the better um, but colson suspects that he's stalling because he's like blake usually isn't this chatty and he's just monologuing <laughs> like isn't his thing or whatever yeah and um blake says you've never just killed someone because you hate them phil and you know obviously we know he did this to ward and so colson's like you know you're right and he's like lincoln you need to kill blake this is an order and blinken's like blinken wow lincoln <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln's like, are you sure, sir? Like, and Colson gives him this thing. Like, sometimes we have to do the wrong things for the right reason. You have to do it. And so Lincoln like shoots lightning at him, and Blake's not really there. He's a hologram. And Colson has this little thing like, oh, I'm proud of you. Like, you, you know, I, but I could tell that wasn't a killing shot. So I know that you like were following orders, but you still held back because you weren't sure, <laughs> like, that this is the right thing to do. 
Um, but we find out that Blake's not really there. And, um, uh, meanwhile at the watchdog safe house thing, Daisy and Fitz are going in hot, trying to take out Blake, even though he's not there either. And Fitz gets shot by a watchdog gun and it like this green or this orange goo sticks to his, his, his neck and it's the same paintballs they they shot at the <laughs> building in their <laughs> manifesto video because it's totally like neon it's like fluorescent paintballs <laughs> yeah yeah and so he has this bomb stuck to, stuck to his neck and um i don't know as he I've puts it it's gonna get messy <laughs> when yeah. he implodes which technically no it won't like, no it'll all implosing. just go into a ball <laughs> it's the cleanest possible way to to eviscerate somebody right that's very true very very true um so fitz and daisy are in this watch uh, and a watchdog dude are in this containment module and um daisy's like we're gonna find out what they put in the in the nitramine um to stabilize it like this because obviously it's not going to stay stable forever and that's why i brought this dude and fitz is like i was wondering why you brought him (laughs) and um you know, like the watchdog dudes mentioned something about the nitrine being in suspension and Fitz is like, oh, it's suspended in a liquid so we can freeze it. So um, that's my other uh, eye roll <laughs> similar yeah. to the nerd herd moment because he goes, that's a science word. He'd never know. It's like, OK, <laughs> I know what they mean because like it's used. It, but but Fitz is smart enough. He's smarter than the audience. Fitz should say that's that's a word used in a context you know, he'd never have. Like, yeah. like he doesn't have a scientific background. Like that's fine. But like the way he's he never heard of suspension, he's right. never heard the word suspension is a is a science word. Like this guy was this guy is a thug working for the Watchdogs. I bet he's been suspended in school before. Oh my god! <laughs> I bet he's I bet he's heard, or you know he might know about cars. I am hundred percent positive he's heard the word suspension. Oh my god! 100%. Yeah, it's just not a great line. No, it's it's that. awkward. It's awkwardly written, and it reminded me a little bit in the moment when I was rolling my eyes, my nitpicking at the nerd herd moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, but it's, it just didn't take me out of it in the same way. It yeah. just uh, just made me roll my eyes because Fitz is smarter, maybe than whatever network note ruined that dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> I have to assume. Uh, I mean, Fitz does have a history of loving to. Be- earnest person in the room and like kind of gloating in that so maybe that's that was a little too. bit of that <laughs> I, I i can lean in lean into that to justify it that he was just he, he yeah. was bra- bragging he's still a little insecure about yeah. uh, the Meanwhile, he has a bomb on his neck hello <laughs> like- I, I, I could see him still being a little a little extra insecure since uh Gemma met uh, an astronaut hunk in space right? <laughs> oh god um so Fitz tells Daisy to go get liquid nitrogen and they spray the thing and it seems to work and they are able to peel it off and everything's great. And the the watchdog guy starts laughing and we'll get to that in a second. But Colson uh, knew that Blake wasn't really there. He knew he was like, Blake usually interrupts you more. So I could tell there was a lag. <laughs> um, and um, he, you know, tells Lincoln he passed the test and um then he's like wait Blake was why was Blake stalling and we realized that he wanted to capture an inhuman um and 
the watchdog is talking to Daisy. He's like, you know, we were going after an inhuman, but we never thought it would be like an unassuming little girl like you. We thought it was the other dude. And so they think that the inhuman is Mac. So they're going after Mac. And he kind of like cackles a little bit or whatever. Another, yeah. another bit of me, I'm, this isn't as bad as when we were both really out of it when it was late on a Monday we recorded and we we're super <laughs> nitpicky. But I'm being extra nitpicky because Colson said he's not chatty and now he interrupts people. Which is it, Colson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those things don't really make any sense. Like, like they don't really jive. Uh, that's funny. Um, so Mac is going to Ruben at his house, and Ruben's like, "You got some splaining to do because what the fuck was that?" And Ruben doesn't want to hear it. He's like, "Everything you've told me is a lie. Like it's all lies." And he just like runs away. And then um, we see the watchdogs pulling up. They're after Mac, and then Mac and Ruben are arguing in the garage, and the watchdog burn their bikes that are in the driveway which damn that sucks i think billy was really upset when we saw this episode <laughs> yeah, it, it, i think burning anything too on a a, a black family's lawn has some oh yeah stuff connotations for oh me. god <laughs> i didn't even like, think about that but yeah you're right no because i think on like a visceral level it's also just something that's important to them like it's like they, like their prized possessions or whatever and something they bond over it's it's messed up on a lot of levels yeah and it's also their escape route so mac is like Oh, they, they, you know, don't want us to get away. So he's like standing there, like kind of talking to himself, like trying to figure out what to do. And Ruben is freaked out. He's like, what do we do? What do we do? And um, he's like, we're not inhumans. And Max like, it doesn't matter. They're going to kill us anyway. Like, they don't care. This is what they're about. They're about hate. They don't care who, you know, is who's whoever stands in their way. Um, and so he's like, hey, do you still have dad's shotgun? And so he grabs the shotgun and um they go into the house and Mac shoots one of the guys and <laughs> Ruben's like, is this what you do with shield? And Mac is like, dude, I'm a mechanic. I hate this stuff. <laughs> then he proceeds to Jason born the shit out of the situation. Yeah. <laughs> And so they shoot this dude and Mac picks up his gun and gives it to Ruben. He's like, have you ever used one of these before? And Ruben's like, an assault rifle? Uh, no. <laughs> and he's like, just point and shoot and don't shoot me um, and don't shoot yourself. And so uh, Mac starts, um, you know, the, uh, one of the dudes comes down the stairs and around the corner. Ruben's taking out the guy up the stairs and Mac tries to take out the guy that came around the corner, but he's loses his gun. And so there was a moment at the beginning of this episode where Ruben and Mac were joking about this dog statue that's in the house. And it, Mac grabs the dog statue and smacks the guy in the head with it and knocks him out, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Full circle. Um, and they're like, okay, where are the rest of the watchdogs? There's five of them. We only got three. And so they look outside and they're blocking their only escape to get into the woods, which is the back door. And um, one of the watchdogs gets up from death. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he was just knocked out. And he shoots Mac in the arm. Um, and <laughs> and he comes in and starts fighting with Ruben. And then Mac grabs a cleaver, like a meat cleaver. And a giant cleaver. <laughs> and takes this dude out with the cleaver. And then he tapes it to his shotgun. And Ruben's like, what are you doing? He's like, shotgun axe. <laughs> so, no, him saying it like that, like while, like, well, not like bleeding out, but while like bleeding pretty heavily from a flesh mm -hmm. wound and like getting up he was so badass like it was that was that was like such a great sequence and him saying shotgun axe like oh. gr gruffly not angrily or whatever but just like i don't have a lot of time like like yeah it was, so funny. <laughs> it was such a like action movie moment oh like, the whole that whole so bit great. was great and, and like it was 
it felt nice to see someone who's being indoctrinated by like well kind of like one of these far right nationalist gonna hate group type things like immediately see in action how wrong they are and then to yeah. watch those same guys get their asses beat so well <laughs> by, <laughs> by Henry Simmons in particular. Like it's just very satisfying. It I is. love Mac. <laughs> I know. They need we need to put Henry Simmons in some type of action film because why is he not an action star? There's right? No, why like him and Idris Elba need to be in an action film together. Like Yes, I I, I don't want to be this is no I'm glad that he's been able to do what he does without with, without because we've talked about before like all the uh, ridiculousness of of the the way uh, action stars kind of have to uh, put their body through crap. It's like not fair. Mm-hmm. Like we talked before on the show relatively recently about how like that's not really a healthy or justifiable practice. But at the same time, it's like you look at some of the guys that are still giant action stars. And it's like I've seen a lot of movies where uh, where uh, Vin Diesel's walking around looking kind of puffy, and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like, like like I no, there's no justifiable reason why Henry Simmons is not a bigger action star than Vin right. Diesel to me. Like I like Vin Diesel, but this guy's a better actor, better looking, more convincing as a badass yeah. leading, leading man. I was just like, I don't understand. Like, like that guy, some people just luck out. Right. <laughs> I feel like you don't even have to have uh, Henry Simmons take a shirt off. Like just put him in a Henley and like give him some <laughs> badass lines and some emotional moments. And he would like, you know, capture no, everyone's hearts. <laughs> I'm, I'm down for whatever. Like, like in, and in our remake culture, any 80s buddy movie and make it him and Idris Elba. I'll yeah. watch their tango and cash, uh, put Idris Elba in glasses and make him wear a tie with his super tight, like unnecessarily tight button up shirt. And he can <laughs> be, uh, he, he can be uh, uh, Ray Tango. He can be a, a, a slice alone's character. And he's like right. uptight, former accountant, you know, <laughs> and he, he invests, but he's, but he's, but he's also just a really great cop. Right. <laughs> and then, so funny. and uh, yeah, Kurt Russell will be played by, uh, <laughs> by Henry Simmons. Oh my god! I really feel like Henry. Long hair, though. No, no, no. That's part of the look. Um, I do really feel like Henry Simmons would have just as good of weight on screen. Like he would be able to go toe to toe with Idris Elba, like on screen. He wouldn't be overshadowed by him. I think he's got a really great like presence as far as like his physical imposition, but also his acting. It's like without being over the top at all. Like like I'm trying to think of who he reminds me of because there's no one like like in particular but like he 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 just does have like this understated uh uh i don't know presence real yeah presence but also realism which i think like like lends to it like like just it's a different kind of gravity like like when interest elba's awesome he's awesome but he also feels like he's like a big over the top either tv or movie character to me and it's not a bad thing at all but like when henry simmons is great on this show it's like he feels like someone who's very real and like like yeah, Man, so I, don't, I don't know if it's just the character because Mac is very grounded in the reality of like what they like the world that they live in, you know, even like more the, than the rest the of every man. Like, yeah, he's the one who wants to hold on to his humanity. Yeah, probably the most out of everybody. Um, but I don't know. We'd have to see him in something else, I think. Man, Put him in something else, please. With the because- show ending, we need him <laughs> in stuff. And yeah. with the way they're recasting people at Marvel. 
put him in a Marvel movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> Make him somebody. Um, so Ruben and Mac take out the other two watchdogs as a team, and it's really sweet, and they're having this like brotherly love moment, and it's cute. Um, and then Mac passes out because he got shot in the arm and he's bleeding. Um, and so the ambulance comes to pick up Mac to take him to the shield hospital, and Ruben is super freaked out, and Daisy's like talking to him. She's like, he'll be fine. Like, you know, he'll he'll be he'll be good in no time. Don't worry about it. And um, Ruben calls Mac Alfie and Daisy's like, thank you for that. I can't wait until he's out of recovery so I can call him that. And Ruben's like, what do you guys call him? And she's like, we call him Mac. And Ruben's like, well, that's what my friends call me. Um, and Daisy talks about how she feels, you know, she's his partner and she feels really guilty that she wasn't there because she was too busy chasing after Agent Blake and then got Fitz shot with a bomb, a paintball bomb. <laughs> and there's this really cute moment where Ruben asks her, he's like, you know, is he good at it? Saving people? And Daisy's like, yeah, he's the best. Like, he's the one I call when I want someone to watch my back. And it's so sweet. I just... Like them talking about Mac and then just the way Ruben is reacting with, to what Daisy's saying and the way Daisy is talking about Mac with so much affection. It's oh, it's just so sweet. Um, and then Daisy's like, hey, you know, like now that you know what's going on, like maybe we'll call you for for help next time. And she calls him Mini Mac, which is really cute. <laughs> also. No, um, that the whole sequence is adorable and heartwarming and, and yeah. like they're they do they do the character stuff with Ruben so well because like it's very it would be very easy for him to be a character but they just paint in a bad way like where he's taking the watchdog position he's a jerk like but like they have him go through a little arc you know even though we don't mm-hmm. really know him very well really quickly and like yeah they still have their stuff he's probably still annoyed but the choices that they both made have put them where they are but they also both made their choices like yeah. he's he he's the one who decided that they needed to keep the family home and yeah. it, and he got screwed because the economy went the way it did. But it's like, it, I don't know. It, it shows that even though they still have tensions and their issues that he's who loves his brother and he's willing to like, try to try to learn. And yeah, part of it is that he saw like an in your face, real life demonstration of what he does and how important it is and whatnot. But yeah. It's just cool. It was, it was it was a great great uh, conclusion to the episode. Oh yeah, I really love this episode, minus all the Lincoln stuff, um, <laughs> for sure, and the nerd herd stuff. Um, it's just like you said. I, I feel like we know who Ruben is. They did a really good job with his character, and like he goes through a full arc. I feel like if he came back, I would know his motivations and everything about him. Like yeah, you'd believe that he cares about Mac. Like, yeah. like, like it'd be really easy to catch us up on Ruben and have him appear in the final season in, a, in an arc with Mac. Yeah. I feel like he does come back in this season for something. I believe it. I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't remember, but I, it doesn't, it like, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. <laughs> I just don't, don't, don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. I I might be making things up, but well, I think um, you, you could, you could definitely be right. Um, so the very end scene is that, uh, we find out that the attack on, um, or the whole safe, the whole watchdog thing attack with Fitz and, and, and Daisy was a, was a cover. And, um, uh, also the attack on the ATCU warehouse was a cover and it was Malik who gave the intel to the watchdogs and he also took something from the ATCU facility. And so the van drives up into this warehouse and Blake comes out in a wheelchair and apparently they have an agreement that Blake will get 
all the weapons he wants for his watchdogs. And, you know, Blake will give him information about whatever he needs. And um, Blake calls the Inhumans freaks to Iron Chef, who is standing there. Gira, and he's like, "Oh yes, freaks." <laughs> Which oh yeah, he, he, person to say that too. <laughs> yeah, his his response is fantastic. Yeah, he just smiles that little knowing smile, and then he opens the door of the van, and there's a fucking bomb in the van. What the fuck? <laughs> so they're giving this to the watchdogs. Yeah, it looks like a, it could be like a warhead or something. It's like it's yeah. scary. It's 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 a frightening thing. Why is that in the ATC warehouse? Why is that not locked down somewhere more secure? Like, hello, <laughs> like whatever. It's it's shield. <laughs> so um, that's the end of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. And since we don't have a spoiler section, I guess, and we did all our reaction, I guess the only thing we have is my tiny comics connection, which is cool, though, because I think this is another potential way, depending on how everything works, because uh, that it could now diverge with the MCU because it directly connects to the storyline in uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Ooh. Because the the rumor of that storyline is that they're going to introduce John Walker, uh, who is or John Walker, who is uh, what do you call it, um, the a replacement Captain America. There's a storyline in the okay. comics in the '80s where Cap, uh, after a whole deal where Reagan turned out to be a snake and whatnot, <laughs> uh, Captain America gives up the shield for a little while and uh, ended up becoming a character called the Captain, where he wore this like. Revised costume. It was black, white, and red, and it had no A on it, and it had a different chest design. But it was right. mostly just a Captain America costume. <laughs> but in black, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a technicality, and and uh, T'Challa gave him a vibranium shield instead of his usual shield. It's a mixture. Of, he has an alloy that contains vibranium, but isn't entirely. And uh, and we gave him a, a, a pure vibranium Wakandan shield that was just silver with no. No uh, design on it. Oh, okay. (laughs) So he used that when, at the time, the government had taken back the name Captain America and gave it to a guy named John Walker, who is his best friend is a guy named Lamar Hoskins, who's a a black man. So like, he's not like consciously racist, but he's the kind of like Southern like stereotype. I think where it's like he's a good old boy. He he he's pretty bigoted. (laughs) Like, and he's. a hateful person, but he's not a smart person, I don't think, and he's not a thoughtful person, and he's definitely a bigot. And yeah. uh, he is this replacement Captain America, and his his main storyline are the two of them have to infiltrate the Watch Dogs, which is mm-hmm. like an ultra right wing hate crew. And they tried to lynch uh, his his partner uh, Lamar Hoskins, Battle, who, who you'd appreciate. His code name is Battlestar. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> yeah, and, and and their former partners, uh, who were called left winger and right winger, <laughs> they became members of the Watchdogs. They're uh, dickholes, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that what I was they, expecting you to say. <laughs> yeah, they first appeared in Captain America: The Watchdogs, number three hundred thirty-five in nineteen eighty-seven. Were created wow. by uh, Captain America legend Mark Grunewald and comic artist Tom. So that's our only real comics connection for this week. <laughs> oh man, I wonder if that is going to pop up in the new Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. It's I interesting because mean... it feels like he was manipulated in the comics and made into kind of like a character as well. Uh, 
the, uh, this guy, John Walker, and he ended up giving the mantle back to, to Cap, and uh, Steve became Captain America again, and then he eventually uh, became his own hero. I think Steve mm-hmm. gave him the Captain costume, like folded it up and was like, hey, hey, let's just trade costumes. <laughs> like, cool. And, and he became U.S. Agent, which it's a pretty All great right. name. <laughs> like, sure. I, I, I don't, like superhero names, that works. But uh, yeah, and he's been used to varying success, different points. Uh, he was severely like injured and had, uh, had a bunch of prosthesis at some point, and, and I think he might still because their comics it's like Misty Knight style. I think he can still Ooh. go out and fight, even though he might have a replacement arm and leg. Right, right. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's an interesting character, and I, I believe he's supposed to be like the foil. And I can I have to imagine at least to start he's going to be pretty if not villainous you know like misguided mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting I kind of wish they go a different route because there's actually a character similar but who is pretty much just evil <laughs> but yeah. he's like part of the uh, de- I think the Defense uh, Intelligence Administration like basically their version of Captain America like the super right. like the military spies trying to uh, duplicate Captain America so they took uh, I think like a Navy SEAL. And uh, who had joined up because uh, his, at the time it was written because of the, the, the sort of related to present day events. I think his girlfriend, when he was like a young man, had died in the Oklahoma City uh, bombing. Oh, wow. And so he was motivated to join the military, even though that was a domestic terrorist, a very interesting yeah. twist. <laughs> but uh, but this guy ended up becoming like a, you know, what the military referred to as a true believer and like just easily, basically a fanatic, easily indoctrinated. Yeah. And his like his only like code name was Anti Cap like after a while because they they just called him Captain America and he ended up wearing a costume that's the same as Steve's again exactly the same only had no stripes on it so it was just the white star on a field of uh, 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 of blue and in his initial costume but he ended up mm-hmm. getting it like darkened because he swam through the ocean from like, Cuba to Florida <laughs> after one mission <laughs> and uh, and his costume was permanently like stained to like almost be black it was like so dark navy so he also had like an almost black white and red costume he looked really cool like like in yeah. this, and he, but his his arc was in a uh a comic book called uh cap and falcon it was all about captain america and falcon was like very focused on uh sam as a character and was uh written by a kind of prolific black uh, panther writer guy whose name is i believe at this point he's gone back to being called christopher priest his original his his, uh, his name was jim osley and he was a uh comic book editor and writer at marvel and he ended up changing his name to christopher priest and then to just priest like uh okay. like prince or whatever or madonna right. and then eventually went back to uh christopher priest i think but he, he is in actuality a real priest. Uh, uh, I, I think I think in a Baptist church. Uh, he's uh, one of the most successful uh, black uh, American author, uh, authors in the comic industry. And he's really quite talented, although I think a little bit weird. <laughs> he's, a little, he's also like a very old man. So he's got some uh, baggage. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> maybe uh, ways of thinking about things. But yeah. He's he's very talented and he's currently writing Deathstroke at, at DC. Do you, does his congregation call him Priest Priest? I I, <laughs> I man I hope so. <laughs> Sorry, that's a Fa- Father, Father Priest. Father Priest. I imagine uh, I imagine they do. <laughs> this is completely off topic, but 
Um, we haven't talked about it yet. I don't think um, that Hulu canceled the, oh, the good, good, good Ghost Rider. Yeah. I'm um, so mad. I mean, I'm mad, but now maybe there'll be a chance to bring Robbie Reyes into the actual, I don't know, into like a better storyline. Because that story, I don't know. I didn't like that. It was weird, but whatever. It's well, just, I wouldn't mind them doing it in the films, but I, I think the thing that's disappointing is that part same room, uh the people who want to bring it uh and use it at Mar at marvel films marvel studios want to use uh johnny blaze yeah yeah which is like sucks. yeah I, mean, I like him but he also had two movies already yeah. you know and they weren't great so yeah. let's use one of the other characters there's literally two because uh the, the character before robbie reyes was introduced is a south american is a latina a ghost Rider. It's like literally the last two Ghost Riders are Latinx. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, like give. It's right uh, there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they, like, like there's a, a lot of material there for Robbie to to, to draw on, and I think mean, uh, just as interesting as a lot of the stuff they they have adapted. Like, like there's also potential for Alejandra as well. It's like there's just no reason to go back to the well of literally yeah. the old white guy who's been around for like 50 years almost yeah. like it's just no reason well and it's like a latinx leading yeah, marvel that, show is canceled and it's like he was like pretty much the only one so far for sure but like like yeah as far as solo like at all and like marvel has just not been really great at their latinx representation and hopefully that'll change you know some hayek is in uh shield's been journals. has done a great job <laughs> no shield has been what? much better than most i think for sure yeah. But and not not Marvel Studios directly, but Marvel Television uh, and Fox did okay on on the gifted one of their leads. Yeah, I, mean, I say I have to say okay because it's like the character of Marcos Diaz was very well written, but also of course Matt Nix, a white dude showrunner, was like, yeah. hey, you know what? He's a former drug runner because mm -hmm. he's from Mexico, right? Of course, it's like that's what uh, all like, 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 yeah, like, like, like give, it, give me a fucking break, man. <laughs> like, 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 I don't think there are any major like, uh, like, like, like Mexican American characters at Marvel like before probably the year two thousand, like except for one who was a nun. <laughs> but, but I don't have like a like a, a criminal past. It's really gross. Like it's just no necessary, not necessary. You know, yeah, it really isn't. So that's a bummer. Um, but I did want to bring that up. No, I'm glad you did. I, I think I would have forgotten because it was what, it's been a while. A week ago. It's yeah. stuff's moving so fast. Like I know. With everything. That that, that was very disappointing because uh Gabriel was, was perfect. And he was so excited. And he his tweet, he's like, I'm you know, it was a privilege to play Robbie Reyes. I'm so sad. I forget what else he said, but it was It was very sad. bittersweet because it was yeah. sad, but he was like also very positive and it and felt grateful. but it didn't it didn't feel like blowing smoke like a lot of times that stuff feels kind of transparent you know or, mm -hmm. or just obligatory but it did feel like he was genuinely like he loved the time he had as robbie and was grateful for it and happy to be a part of it and disappointed but but overall the, the message was positive from him but still the result is still like a sad thing yeah absolutely um and with that i feel like we should close it out yeah, right. we'll wrap it up. Where can people find you on the internet? I can be found at I Snow Nothing occasionally, 
being really annoyed uh, with like politics and whatnot, and, and X Men. Yeah, talking <laughs> about X Men. Less annoyed, uh, except for like, oh man, I'm grateful to have. But the time this comes out, the big story arc leading up to everything will be over. And at this point, <laughs> the it, just a few days left before it ends, and the discourse is like devolved to the all the people who really want their theories to be right or their first initial readings of it are arguing like they just had a giant panel at new york comic-con and they're like you believe any of that this is all a scam none of none of the comics that they've solicited from now through december are actually going to be what they're saying they're about you're falling for this like that's literally like okay half half of the people (laughs) are react and i'm like i don't know what you expect is happening part of it i think is just confirmation bias but part of it is like for, for me I don't care if I'm right or wrong, but I've worked in comics and like the amount of material of preview material of covers and pages that they've shown, it's prohibitively expensive for them to have hired people to make false stuff. They're never going to use. They just don't do it. Like all, all of the false solicitations that have ever been done in the past, they have covers that say classified and are blacked out (laughs) because they, they, (laughs) because they, they're not wasting their funds. Yeah. Yeah, It's owned by Disney. It's owned, which, which is, and it's related to Marvel Studios, but they don't have the same budgets. Like no. they don't, they don't pay well. No. <laughs> so this isn't it's what we're getting. What we're getting, and I'll be happy for that to be over. And then I'll be a hundred percent positive. I think on X Men, but uh, for a little while until I don't know. But uh, the, next, the next annoying thing comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, I, 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 I think. I think what's what, what's upsetting at this point is that when this is over, though, like at this point, even though some fans might take their theories too seriously, the general attitude has been 100% positive for the past 12 weeks leading up to this because everyone is reading the same thing. So even if, if even people aren't loving it or whatever, or they have different opinions, everyone's discussing the same thing and engaging. And it's been a really positive experience, but like all of that's going to dissipate. Everyone's going to read whatever books they read and, and have their favorites and look down on people who don't read the ones they read and all the stupid crap that always comes up in every fandom. But it, it was a nice three months. <laughs> it was a nice summer <laughs> that the X-Men fandom was like, hey, what if we all just showed up and got along for a little while? Ooh, imagine that in comics. I know. Hey, what if Star Wars can do it? I don't think we can. <laughs> the only time that's happened is when Palpatine was announced to be in The Rise of Skywalker. We all banded that together. That lasted for like 15 minutes. <laughs> it was a time that it happened. <laughs> 15 minutes. Oh, God. Where can people find you uh, talking about Star Wars, amongst other things? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. Ah, I'm not going to forget this time. I also have another podcast that where I scream about Star Wars and put my fist through things called Lousy Beautiful Town. You can find that podcast on all the things and on Twitter at LBT Pod. Um, I, I feel like I had... Some, oh, uh, you can email this podcast at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at projecttahitipod.com. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and if you're a browser listener, you can listen on Podbean or butwhythepodcast.com. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye. I swear I had something else I was going to say, and I completely forgot.
I am ready. Okay, hold on. Let me burp real quick. <laughs> Get this out of the way. Okay, there we go. I had coffee this morning just to warn you. So if I'm like extra weird, that's why. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I don't usually drink coffee. Anyway. All right. That'll be a good uh, outtake. (laughs) (laughs) Me burping and then me being hyper. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti, the magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and there's an airplane going by. I was going to say, it sounds like a (laughs) a crop duster or something. Oh, I don't have the windows. Hold on. Let me close the windows. We'll restart this intro in just a second. (laughs) This will be good end of the episode content. That was great. That was a uh, that that's fully quality uh, sound effects. Alrighty, I'm back. That, <laughs> that, that, that sounded like that. That was uh, you could totally hear you closing the window. That was like sound effect quality. They, they, Perfect. This will, this, will, this will be a good outtake for Aaron. <laughs> whoever, whoever else listens to the end. I know. Alrighty, <laughs> let's start this again. Three, two, one.